Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. So we've been talking about discipleship, and hopefully we give a little bit of a, a new framework um, that, of course, you know, as we've kind of been framing this, um, discipleship for the most part has, and I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, using the term watered down is a little overused uh, in our culture today. I don't want to say it's been watered down, but it has been limited. It has been restricted to being a good person, being a witness, uh, calling yourself a Christian. But there are some elements of discipleship. We know the sharing of your faith, professing Jesus as Lord, believing that when I die, I go to heaven. Those are some of the key elements that we usually uh, hone in on and, and focus on when it comes to discipleship. But when you look at discipleship, according to what Jesus intended, it was a lot different. It was more than just being a good witness. It was more than just sharing your faith uh, you know, when people give you an invitation or, or an open door to. It was, it was more of bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Disciples was being a follower, a student, um, uh, more than just learning from someone, but literally mimicking that person, literally doing what they did. And so we're looking at these different factors that we've kind of stretched off and we've, we've kind of said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with this level of discipleship, but I don't know about that whole laying hands and, 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 and healing the sick business. I don't know about that uh, speaking in or praying in tongues. I don't know about uh, that whole demonstrating the power uh, of God, manifesting the power of God in the earth. I'm comfortable with sharing my faith every now and then. And, and some of us, we can't even get there. We might say, you know, I know I'm supposed to share Christ, but we don't even know where to start with that. We don't even know where to begin with that. We can share Christ in Chick-fil-A, the easy places. But what about Walmart? Yeah. What about Target? What about uh, when they question or challenge you on your faith? We're seeing a lot of that, a lot of deconstructing happening in the faith, you know. So there, there's... There just becomes elements of discipleship that we eventually are like, I don't know if I'm going to dabble there. And we're learning that there's not different measures. There's not different levels of buy-in or different levels of investment when it comes to discipleship. It's an all-in deal. And that, you know, if, if, if he was talking to a group and saying, go ye therefore into all the world, preach, baptize, right? And then in the very next verse, he says, and you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You'll cast out demons. You'll speak in other tongues. He's not talking to a different group of people. So if the first applies, and I don't know a Christian on the planet that would say, no, it's not a requirement for me to share my faith. No, I'm not supposed to be baptizing. No, we're not supposed to be getting people born again, you know, seeing people come in. We all accept that those were would be some of the basics of discipleship. Well, if that is, so is the part that follows. It's not any different. He hasn't changed, uh, you know, his audience. He, he's, he's not like, this is for the, 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 the larger group. And then for those that are really invested, you know, I expect these things. And again, we get into the book of Acts and what do we see? We see all of the above. We see the preaching to all nations. We see the baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see the laying hands 
uh, on. Uh, we, we see uh, them being filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see the casting out of demons, not, not uh, putting up with or engaging or entertaining the demonic. Uh, they're, they're literally pushing back darkness in these arenas. And so, again, we've got to accept the full picture, the big picture of what discipleship is, and we need to buy into all of that. So we've just kind of been going through the last few weeks. Uh, the, the, the first week, we said that disciples are teachable. Disciples are teachable. You've got to be able to be taught, be corrected, be instructed, that if you can't be teachable, you're not going to make a very good disciple. Because to be a disciple literally means to be the pupil or to, to be the student of, a follower of. And if we ever arrive at a place like a Pharisee where we think we already know it all and are looking for Jesus to, to bend to our will and our desires rather than us bending the hills, we don't make a great disciple. He's becoming our disciple rather than us being his disciple. We've got it backwards. The second thing we saw last week was disciples are faithful. That we are stewards, we're not owners, we are managing the affairs of another. And when the king comes back, when the master comes back, when Jesus returns, he's gonna come and he's gonna give, we are gonna give an account. He wants an account of what we did with what we had. And we've gotta be faithful with that. Well done, good and faithful servants. And you were faithful over a little, you'll be made ruler over much. And so we saw the need as disciples in, uh, uh, in discipleship to be faithful, faithful in every capacity, faithful in every way. Can you be counted on? Can you be relied, uh, uh, relied upon? Can you be depended upon? To be faithful means uh, that you are consistent in that. There's not one day they're there and one day they're not. Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. You don't know if they're gonna get good work ethic or poor work ethic, come on. So all these things measure in to becoming great disciples and a disciple is faithful. This week, I want to uh, look at the essence. This is probably one of the key ones. Disciples know him. Disciples know him. That there is a, and being, and being acquainted with, and I'm going to use this word even though I just told you not to do it, but you know, it'll make sense in this light, that you are acquainted and very well familiar with Jesus. Not familiar in the sense, of course, once again, that postures, oh, that's just Jesus. But you are well acquainted with that you know him and he knows you. Amen. And so if we're going to be disciples, if we are going to produce the results of discipleship, we need to know him. In Matthew chapter 7, in verse 21, uh, Jesus says this. Matthew 7 and verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father. Now you would say, Pastor Mark, you're looking over, uh, overlooking one of the most important elements of a disciple. They do the will of the father. Well, you're gonna find that this is kind of a two-in-one package tonight. You're going to get the disciples are obedient and do the will of the Father. But the reason they do the will of the Father is because they are well acquainted with the Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. 
all three of those we would say are obedient actions of disciples. So if you want me to just talk to you about being obedient, we could stop right there. They did it. Three very, uh, uh, you know, identifiable elements of being a follower of Christ. Well, man, they prophesy, must know Jesus. They're casting out demons. They must be well acquainted. They're laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. They must be very uh, well known by God. But yet the verse, the next verse tells us the exact opposite. He says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, this could be a hard point of contention for a lot of people because it's like you're doing all the right things. That's a very hard word. From the God that we love saying he knows all of us. He knows every hair on your head. He knows you. He knows your purpose. He knows your destiny. Before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. So how could he all of a sudden not know you? We think it's automatic that he knows us. And it doesn't say you didn't know me. It says, I never knew you. How can this be? And so what happens is, is we start thinking this idea that if I'm doing these certain actions, if I'm producing this certain kind of fruit, then I must be on the right track. And this is where self-righteousness shows up. This is where, uh, you know, you start relying on actions. And so this is what you need to know is everything that they just mentioned, prophesying, casting out demons, and healing the sick, those three things he just mentioned, those aren't for you anyways. If God uses you to produce a kingdom power, a kingdom manifestation in the earth, that's not for you, that's through you. It's not for you. That's the anointing upon your life and the Holy Spirit uh, empowering you and the power of God working through you to produce a sign and a wonder to deliver another person. Y'all remember in Luke chapter four when Jesus got up and said, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. And then he lists off all this stuff and not one of those things had anything to do with him. It was restoring sight to the blind. It was the setting at liberty, the captives, knowing that God wants to use you to minister to the needs of another. And he wants to minister to the need of another so badly that he'll use you not because of your ability, in spite of your ability. I mean, I, I've, I've heard people tell me all the time, you know, um, that, 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 that they don't believe sometimes in because you know somebody, you know their character, and maybe you know them outside the church, and they come inside the church, and, and they cuss up a storm out there, but they speak in tongues in here. Well, I can't receive from that person. Well, you should, because it's not about the person. It's about the gift you're receiving. It's about the, and God loves you so much that he'll use a corrupt, messed up person like that to get, to, to be a pipeline to get something to you. And you're shutting off the, the gift because you don't like the pipe that God's using. Well, your pipe's not so clean either. 
Huh? So you just need to go ahead and say, I received that. And you will stand accountable for your lifestyle. You will stand accountable for how you have lived. You'll stand accountable for where you have fallen short. You will stand. I mean, did he not say that about the Pharisees? Do as they're telling you. Just don't do as they do. So we think that this, this doesn't discredit the prophecy, the casting out uh, of, of demons and the healing signs and wonders. It discredits them posturing and standing before the Lord and saying, come into my kingdom and I'll, I'll receive you into my kingdom. That's personal. It has nothing to do with you. In spite of their mess, in spite of their corrupt character, in spite of who they were, he still worked wonders, still prophesied, still spoke through them, still used them to minister to another individual's life. Amen? And so never discount or discredit a, a sign or, or, or a wonder that happens through someone's ministry that maybe later on you find out they were sleeping around the whole time or, or they were embezzling funds. I mean, obviously you're not gonna continue following this individual, but that's not all of a sudden to say, ah, the, the whole ministry was fake. No, that was the king that was doing that stuff anyways. It wasn't them. That was the power of God. And thank God that his love and his mercy still met people that were in dysfunction and broken and needed healing and needed deliverance and needed freedom and needed a revelation and needed a prophetic word. And God didn't say, well, I'm not gonna minister to those because this one's corrupt. Y'all with me on that? Okay, so we got that taken care of. Let's take care of the one that's corrupt. Take care of the individual that I never knew you. And you think you're getting in on accolades. You think you're received and welcomed into the family and into royalty and into his kingdom because, well, look at all the demonstrations that were happening. You and I must have been on good ground. And you confuse God working through you as God knowing you. You confuse the fact that God is still operating. And I, God, the Bible's full of them. But I give you the clearest one, Samson. Samson was anointed. Samson did some mighty things selfishly, promoting himself, getting in the in group, in the in crowd. Samson had some real issues. But yet, did God use him? Absolutely. Now, did he have to stand accountable for how he stewarded that anointing? Absolutely. David. I mean, if David was a televangelist today, not one of you would follow him after finding out what he did. I mean, one of them, in fact, let me just go ahead and give you, let me just paint this clear picture for you. If we had King Saul and King David today, King Saul would have millions of followers and David would have two. Because King Saul was the one with the influence, head and shoulders above everybody, handsome, well-liked, came from a, a, a rich family, had the reputation, had the background. David's he's the eighth son. He was forgotten about at the anointing party. He's left out in, with the sheep and the uh, shepherding the flock, uh, you know, and, and he, he, he's a young kid, uh, just, you know, in the background. And, and King Saul, and, and King Saul, you don't even know the stuff he's doing. He's corrupt inwardly, but outwardly, he was all about demonstration. Because King Saul can never bring himself to say, I missed it. 
I blew it. I'm remorseful. I'm repentant. Even when he got caught in the wrong, he looked at the prophet and said, can you at least come back with me so I look good in front of everybody else? And to the crowd, everybody thought he was the one. He's the man. They don't know the backstory on his life. They don't know where he's disobeying. He looks virtuous. The great king that left all the good uh, 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 animals alive and all the, uh, left the king alive and saved all the women and children. And, and they don't know that he disobeyed the direct word of the Lord to plunder everything. Come on. But yet King David and what he did, sleeps with another man's wife, gets her pregnant, tries multiple times to get them to reconcile and and, and (laughs) won't do it. So his answer, murder the guy in battle. Put him in, I mean, guys, this is like, this is on the front lines. This is on the front, I mean, you know, New York Times, Newsweek, they are running with this story. This is the story they've been waiting for. They've been waiting for a so-called Christian to mess up this bad. And God says, that man, a man after my own heart. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's not confuse our good works with knowing him. It's not about failing and messing up and missing it. It's about what's your position and your posture in response to that. To hide it, cover it up, act like nothing's wrong, or are we gonna truly repent and say, I've I've blown it, missed it. But the heart is to come back and be restored and be reconciled. Amen? In the Passion Translation, it reads, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven's kingdom. It is only those who persist, persist, persist in doing the will of my heavenly Father. On the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, don't you remember us? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and do many miracles in your name? But I will have to say to them, go away from me, you lawless rebels. I've never been joined to you. Now we get some clarity on that. I never knew you, right? Because we can think of new like he knows us. No, he was never joined. He was never hooked up with, partnered with, intimate with you. It's the same new that they use in the word for when a husband knows his wife. It's an intimacy. It's a joining together. It's two becoming one. And this is what he's talking about is if you're gonna be a true disciple, if you're gonna truly follow me, it's not gonna be notated by all the miracles, signs, and wonders that are operating in your life and your ministry. It's not gonna be notated by how many scriptures you quote. By the way, let me just go ahead and tell you, you can know all the Bible, all you want. There's still one that knows it better than you and his name is Satan. If you know the word but don't do it, you know the Bible as well as the devil does. <laughs> oh, he knows scripture. Then you gotta know some scripture. You're bold enough to quote scripture to the scripture. Let's quote the word to the word. The word made flesh. Doesn't the word say, uh, you know, if you throw yourself off a cliff, you'll give his angels charge over you. 
And Jesus is like, do you know who I am? And what did he respond back with? The word every time. Now, what are the indicators of this true discipleship we're talking about? What is this master looking for? What is, what is this individual, this, 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 this leader looking for that says, I've never known you, I've never known you. You, I've known. You're one I'm familiar with. You're one that I'm well acquainted with. In the message translation, Matthew 7 reads this way. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say to you? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Now, some people don't like the message translation, but I like it. It's a little direct. It adds some clarity, amen? That helps us get a pretty good picture. Just between those three translations alone helps us give us, helps give us a pretty good understanding of what the master's looking for. If you think we're getting, in, getting on by checking off boxes, things that make you, make you look good, things that... that, that make you stand out to others. Isn't that what the Pharisees were all about? I mean, basically in every single one of these elements that we talk about, you can do a disciples list and a Pharisee list and you can see that disciples do what Pharisees don't. Disciples have what Pharisees don't. It says, if you do the will of the Father, and the will of the Father is not that you perform signs and wonders. The will of the Father is not that, that you have these uh, super spiritual demonstrations exhibited in your life and ministry that are puffing you up and lifting you up and causing people to follow after you. A disciple is one that knows and is well acquainted with the Father, well acquainted with Jesus. Actually, in Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, This is when Jesus was calling his disciples and it says this in the New Living, it reads this way. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his disciples. And then it says this, they were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach. They were to accompany him. One translation, I think it's the New King James says, he he called them to be with him. It's very important before you set your sights on doing things for God, you set your sights on being with God. So the difference isn't the signs and wonders. You're still gonna have signs and wonders. You're still gonna demonstrate. We've already covered that. Disciples lay hands on the sick. Disciples prophesy. Disciples cast out demons. Disciples push back darkness. Disciples bring heaven to earth. Establish a new culture but you're not doing it to prove anything to other people. You're not doing it to show how spiritual you are. You're not doing the actions just for the sake of doing the actions. You're doing the actions because it is the will of the Father. And the best way to become acquainted with the will of the Father is being well acquainted with the person of the Father. 
Jesus brought these disciples alongside, but before he sent them out to preach, before he sent them out to do the the miraculous and the signs and the wonders, before he sent them out to demonstrate the kingdom, he said, I need you to just be with me. Just accompany me. Watch me. Grow familiar with with, with how I do things and and what I do and and, and who I do it for and who I do it with and and what what my ministry and what my mission is all about. And now your actions are out of, Father, I wanna carry on your ministry and I wanna extend your kingdom, not build my kingdom. In Matthew chapter 16, Oh, actually, I want to uh, read Mark three fourteen and one more translation. In the Passion Translation, it reads, He appointed the 12 whom he named apostles, and he wanted them to, watch this, be continually at his side as his friends so that he could send them out to preach. Continually be at his side. What's that? Becoming well acquainted with getting to know so that I can stand before Jesus and not just say, look at all the stuff I did. And he say, depart from me, I never knew you. Stand before Jesus and say, I know you. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's another translation or another passage. I think it's in John 15. We're actually gonna look at John 15 here shortly. But uh, in John 15, in another area, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Well, what's the difference? A servant does something for someone. A friend does something with someone. No longer call you servants. You're not just doing this for me any longer. Friends, we're partnered together. We're doing this together. We're hooked up together. And the thing that you'll find as you go over to uh, Matthew chapter 16, the thing that you'll find is the more acquainted you become with the person, the more acquainted you become with their will, with their desires, with their motives. Matthew 16 um, and verse 21. Verse 21 in the New Living. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. We all know that that was the mission of Jesus. That was the assignment that he was given to, to, to fulfill the plan of God for his life, to fulfill the plan of God for the world. He had to lay down his life, right? that he was gonna offer himself up, that they could not take his life. He says, no no man takes my life. I lay it down. I offer it up voluntarily. And so in verse 22, one of his closest friends, one of his closest confidants, one of his closest partners in ministry, and by the way, this is the, uh, uh, I think about six months before he's arrested. So we're deep into this relationship. Two and a half, three years into walking with Jesus, accompanying Jesus, going everywhere he goes, doing everything he does, seeing everything and and how his ministry operates and and spending time with him to be with him. Peter speaks up and says, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord. 
This will never happen to you. In verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. One of the greatest things about being well acquainted with someone, accompanying someone, is that you begin to see things the way that they see things. You begin to look at things the way that they look at things. You start to share values. You start to share desires. You start to share motivations. You find that their will becomes your will and you lay down yours for them. And you say, I wanna come alongside that mission. I wanna come alongside that work. Well, it looks like Peter had some more growing to do, had some more accompanying to do, had some more partnering to do because now he's, he's still seeing things from his point of view, from his perspective. And now he can't carry out the will of the father because he's too interested in the will of man. He's, he's speaking as a natural friend. Natural friend that says, no, 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 I'm gonna make sure they don't take your life. I'm gonna make sure they don't come get you. I'm gonna make sure, I'm gonna hold myself personally responsible for making sure no one gets access to you. And Jesus says, man, you're missing it. You're not seeing things the way my father sees it. You're not seeing this mission that I'm on the way I see this mission that I'm on. And so as you become well acquainted with, as you get to know someone and truly know them, the more acquainted you are with them, the more familiar you are with their mission and with their assignment and with their purpose. And how can I come along and be a part of that? So in John 15, in John 15, in verse one, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. That's that obedience we're talking about. That's, that's the second occurrence you see, man, if you're not producing the fruit, it, that's, that's grounds for dismissal. That's grounds for, I never knew you. And you can say, Lord, Lord, and you can have the checklist, all the check boxes marked off. And, 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 and to man, it can look like you were the most spiritual person. But when, it, when, it, when the rubber meets the road, when you're standing before Jesus, this is not to instill fear in anyone. This is to help us understand, man, I, I want to know him. Above all else, I, wanna, I don't want to just do stuff for him. I want to do stuff with him. I don't want to just be known by others. And some people, they would rather be known by everyone else than be known by him. No, he says, I'll have to cut that off. But he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit. It is severed uh, if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless what? You remain in me. That's that being acquainted with. That's that knowing, being known by him and knowing him. And fruitful disciples are fruitful, 
are productive because they remain in him. They remain connected to him. It's very important that we make this connection. Verse five says, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. Now that's interesting. Let's bring this full circle. You may ask anything, anything, anything. But here's the thing. When you remain in him and are well acquainted with him, you're only asking what he would want you to ask. So people struggle with that like, oh, I can ask anything. He's my spiritual genie. No, he's not. But what he's saying here in this verse, he says, I will hold myself personally responsible for producing in your life anything you ask of me that is a result of our acquaintance and our relationship that I'm, my desires are now becoming your desires. And when you ask me of a desire that I already have, I will hold myself personally responsible and obligated to fulfill that and produce that in your life. <laughs> but it's all because of what? Connection. It's all because of what? I know him and he knows me. And when I know him, see, I know, I know the will of my wife. And it's not because I asked her what her will is. It's not because we have conversations of, uh, you know, what you like or, you know, that I, we've had those conversations, but you know what? I've learned a lot just from being around her. I've learned a lot from just being acquainted with her. That there are things I don't even have to ask. Is this the Lord's will? I already know because I'm well acquainted with him. Man, that's not his will. That's not his plan. Just by being acquainted with, just by knowing and now it aligns my prayers. Now it aligns my desires. It aligns my motivations. And it keeps me from having Peter moments where now you're just seeing things from man's perspective. But you aren't seeing things from my perspective. And when you share the Father's heart, you eventually share his perspective. You share his desires. I'm gonna tell you right now, your acquaintance, your uh, how can we put it? You cannot represent what you are not acquainted with. You cannot represent what you are not acquainted with. There are many people in the earth today, they want to resent, uh, represent a Jesus they don't even know. They want to represent a kingdom they don't even know. They're not familiar with. They're not acquainted with. They haven't spent time to get to know. If you're going to represent something, if you're going to be a representative of, and you got to know. Because what happens? If you don't know, then it's what's called misrepresentation. That means that you may 
have values or desires that they don't. You know, if you are, uh, uh, Paul said, we are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? It's one sent on the behalf of the home country. You are a representative. You know, we have uh, government officials in D.C. that are supposed to, (laughs) supposed to, represent the states that we have sent there. Are they not? We are supposed to, but, but, and again, if we're not making our voice known, you could be frustrated with DC all you want, but if you're not communicating, no, this is what we want to stand for in the state of Georgia. If we're not doing that, then they're going to go off and they'll misrepresent, misrepresent you. You got an ambassador overseas. He doesn't get to stand before diplomats of other countries and and kings and and, and, uh, presidents of other countries and say, you know, my president back home, God bless him. This is what he would, if it were me. Huh? No. He can't even accidentally misrepresent the United States of America. He's obligated to only represent the affairs, the desires, the motives, the interests of the home country, which means you're going to have to be very familiar with the values of the home country, the needs of the home country, the interests of the home country, even more so on a spiritual level, even more so. Paul says this, or no, let's keep going there in, in John 15. I didn't finish. Verse, verse eight. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. He says, this brings great glory to my father. The producing of fruit is tied to the connection you have with the Father. The producing of fruit is tied to the connection. Again, you cannot represent well what you are not acquainted with. And it says that this will bring great glory to the Father, not you. Not you. That doesn't mean that people might not say things about you and about your ministry or appreciate you or thank you, but at the end of the day, it's about all glory goes to him. And everything I'm doing is because I'm representing another. And I hope that in the midst of what I'm doing, you have seen the Father. Now, what, what just took place here uh, uh, last Saturday, the, 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 the folks that are, have been here for the last two weeks with us, that out of it all, it's just say, the glory goes to the Father. We are here as the hands and feet. And you may recognize the hands and feet. And you may say thank you and appreciate the physical person or the physical, tangible individual that God has placed in your life. But at the end of the day, the glory goes to the Father. It's the Father's heart that you should be feeling and sensing and receiving right now in this moment. We're doing the king's bidding. And not out here for our own accolades, not out here to, to just get our name out, not out here to, to, to let the, the, the city know that there's a church here called Anchor Faith Church. And, if it, and the whole desire is that you know that we're here so we can only point you to the Father. That we become invisible. Even Jesus said this about his own life and ministry. 
I don't do anything on my own initiative, but what the Father has sent me to do. He, he was always taking on that invisible leadership that says, may I become invisible so he can become visible. And so he says in verse nine, I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So now it, this all ties back to the obedience. This all ties back to the obeying of the Father's instructions. Disciples obey the Father's instructions. But we obey not out of a desire to please or out of a desire to be approved of or out of a desire uh, to look like something. We obey because we are well acquainted with the Father and his interests are mine. His values are mine. His desires are mine. Last verse, Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three and verse seven. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. That's that connection. Paul is saying in my ministry, I have found that the only thing that matters is my acquaintance, my friendship, my connection with the father, becoming one with him that I might know him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, well, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we do mighty signs and wonders? He says, I don't count on my own, my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Disciples are known by him and know him. And our acquaintance, our, our acquaintance, our friendship, our connection determines the results, determines the fruit, determines the obedience. That is the connection. It's not just about doing things. It's not just about sounding right. It's not just about knowing the word and all the religious practice. What he's looking for is who knows me and who do I know? And when I know them and they know me, I can flood the kingdom through them. I can, I, I can partner with them. I can be one with them in mind, in spirit, and in values, in interests, in desires. Now we can truly produce fruit of discipleship. So Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you, Father, as we continue to gain clarity and understanding of our roles and our capacity to be disciples, followers, students. Father, I thank you that we will place a great priority on knowing you. Father, there's a difference between knowing about you and knowing you. We want firsthand knowledge. We wanna be brought alongside so we can accompany you, be with you. And Father, out of our relationship, out of our connection, out of being one with you, we will 
gain your desires. We will gain your interests. We will gain your values and your motives. Father, we won't have opportunities where we only see things from man's point of view, but that we will truly have your point of view, your perspective, your way of thinking, your way of doing things. Father, we don't rely on self-righteousness. We don't rely on actions and behavior and, 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 and manifestations and demonstrations. We rely on knowing from the inside we're one with you. Father, I thank you. You bring us closer into relationship, closer into friendship, closer into knowing you so that we can truly represent you and bring your kingdom to earth. We thank you, Father, for bringing us here tonight. We thank you for all that you're doing and going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.